So it's like amazing with the amount of times we've talked about Tommy Lee on here. I don't think we've ever just gone through and read his tweets until now. Yeah, it was just sitting right there. Yeah, in plain sight all this time. He's uh, an interesting figure now because he's married to one of those TikTok women who's like my age, I think exactly. Brittany Ferlin, that's her name. So he's got like one foot in being 80 years old <laughs> and one foot in like having a younger woman who's like super in tune with uh, TikTok and Twitter and Instagram and stuff. So like apparently they're selling his account now. Like they're just using him to promote stuff. And sometimes it's like just normal stuff or stuff that he's involved in or like the Motley Crue movie. Uh, but sometimes it's stuff like this one a couple weeks ago, the best vaginas will rise to the top. <laughs> These might be the worst vaginas ever. Throwing up emoji. Vaginacontest.com. <laughs> it's posted by Twitter for iPhone. So it's not like a third-party app doing it. People thought he got hacked. They were like, Tommy, you got hacked. What's going on? But anyway, this website is... Um, apparently, it's a fake website made by Autoblow2, which is a <laughs> machine that sucks your dick. Um, but, like, the, the vaginas are all the same. It's, like, number one. And then it's one that looks like CGI or a... A model like a like an actual like physical silicone model of a woman and then the second one is the same picture with a different it's all date. like it's it's very weird it's kind of on brand for tommy lee but kind of not either it's like a fake contest yeah <laughs> i want they had to just like pay him to to link it i'm sure but it seems like he himself posted it like you were saying that it's just like twitter for iphone and he still makes posts that are like clearly himself like you know he's given his political opinions and all kinds of shit so it seems like someone just paid him to do it personally you know i'm just looking at the gif of the auto blow going and this looks like it would pull <laughs> your penis off i'm a i'm taking a more intellectual approach <laughs> and uh i clicked on read the paper uh which is Auto Blow 2, the vulva paper, a scientific analysis of auto blow vaginal beauty contests data. <laughs> abstract. <laughs> it's got an. Yeah, what's the gist of it? It's got an abstract methods and coding. Uh, it says their methods were 182 women submitted photos of their external genitalia to an online vulva beauty contest by the manufacturer of Auto Blow 2. <laughs> a crowd. Oh my god, a crowdfunded robotic masturbation device for men. <laughs> to enter the contest, the women had to be at least 18 and submit a picture of their external genitalia. <laughs> I don't know why they keep saying that. Between June 8th and July 6th, 2015, the contest rules required that all photo entries showed within the photograph both the female genitalia of the entrant and a piece of paper with a contest name on a type pad. Upon submission, each participant was requested to provide their age and general geographic location, precise up to country level. No other details were recorded about the entrance. Wait, this took place in 2015, so it took like six years to perfect this technology? I, I guess they're really serious about the auto blow, too, and uh, delivering their backers the best masturbation uh, machine for men. I really yeah. didn't <laughs> expect it to be a crowdfunded thing. <laughs> 
Yeah, like it's, it's featured in like Men's Health, Forbes, Playboy. It's got one of those things like featured in. And maybe one of Tommy Lee crowdfunded ninety nine percent of it. I have a very stupid question, but why is it auto blow, auto blow, and it's a vagina contest? Yeah, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> it makes no sense at all. I guess. Like if it was like a flashlight. That would make sense, but auto blow, and then we're having a vagina contest for collecting data on women's gen- genitals. For, o- for for auto blow, too. <laughs> There's a pop up that comes up when you click around that tells you to use your stimulus check on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so I guess you can. Uh, There's a vagina sleeve for it, so it's like a vagina that's a a mouth, and it moves back and forth, and I, I don't like this. Wait, there's different attachments. Like it's like it's a, a tool? it's a vacuum. It's a vacuum for your dick, basically. It's <laughs> like body horror. It's like mixing up different body parts. It just doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Tommy Lee, you need to stop promoting this shit. Unless you're using it yourself, and then you got to post evidence that you're using it. I don't know if he would fit. <laughs> but so he doesn't only like shill for stuff like this though, because I scrolled back to December. Uh, this is two days after uh, Christmas that he posted "Jizz the season" five exclamation points drip emoji. <laughs> yes, that one came to him about two days too late, at least. But uh, he wasn't gonna forget it. He wasn't gonna lose it. I like when he goes after Republican senators. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. There's a ton of Lindsey Graham, SC. How heavy is that rock you're living under, you dumb fuck redneck? He must say fuckhead a lot because the one I pulled up is the same thing of, hey, fuckhead at real Donald Trump, tell your cove idiots to go home. It's a wrap. Y'all lost. G-T-F-O-H exclamation point, exclamation point. And while you're at it, you get the fuck out of here, too, before people get seriously hurt. Obviously referring to the January uh, riot, but. Yeah, he went off on um, January 28th. Uh, within minutes of each other, he tweeted, uh, "Hey, all you cocks at fuck new at Fox News, fuck off. Hey, at Lindsey Graham, fuck off. Hey, at Ted, Ted Cruz, fuck off." There's varying amounts of exclamation points and capitalization here, but um, he's he's pissed. He's mad. Ted Cruz. Wait, I... Ted Cruz got the most likes. Hey, Ted Cruz, fuck off. Got the most likes. Uh, he reuses his own material a lot because here he uses the exact phrase from Alex's one he pulled up where it's when uh, Donald Trump got banned from Twitter. He said, hey, at Twitter, uh, you guys are just as fucked up as that clown for showing up way too late to the party. Where you been? How heavy is that rock you've been living under? Hey, keep saying that. Hashtag damage is done. This, he's kind of breaking form here a little bit when he's uh, on the 10th of January he tweeted, Cry laughing emoji, hey fuck face, uh, exclamation mark. The dick taster at Donald Trump J. Jr., your dad, has no way to dick taste any longer. I think he's he means dick, dictator, right? That's the joke here. Yeah, yeah. Like dictate, but it's yeah. dick taste because he's gay for Putin. That's right. You and the rest of your shit show are next. Watch and then uh, middle finger emoji. He's going in on politicians. He's going hard. Those tweets don't do that well, because I don't think the people who follow him are really that tuned into it. It -hmm. seems to be uh, sort of the same crowd that shows up when you talk about Nate Ruiz, like people from uh, South America. 
yeah. or India <laughs> or whatever. Like he doesn't seem to have a lot of like millennial. It's tr- like his Donald Trump Jr. one has one thousand four hundred likes, but. Then him posting about Motley Crue's 40th anniversary has 2,500 likes. So they're there. They are more there for the Motley Crue stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, December 2nd, 2020 is a, a photo which has some text on it that says, uh, what the fleet do we really need more space to post useless crap? That's some heavy boomer posting from Tommy Lee. Yeah. Oh, we didn't even mention this. His pin tweet is for BitClout. It says, yo, I'm here, BitClout list, hashtag BitClout, and then it's a long hash thing, and it links yeah, we to... Yeah, looked into it, and it seems... It's basically nothing, right? It's, it's like you're buying a blockchain for a celebrity that's supposed to be like a stock market for are the celebrities cool, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's untethered from anything, but like, if you like this person, put money into this thing. But like 50% of the ones up there, like Elon Musk, there's Elon Musk and a bunch of other people, 50% of the, they're like, this person has not signed up to BitCloud yet. Not available yet. You can't, you yeah. know, but they have their picture up. So that's the Holy grail for them. I'm sure is Elon yeah. Musk. Yeah, yeah. Logan Paul, Justin Bieber, Mr. Beast, Katy Perry. None of them are on there. Some of them are though. Like Scott Adams, the Dilbert guy. He's like in the top <laughs> 15 here. And he's uh, on there. Steve Aoki is on there. Real Donald Trump. Not on there. They've got one of the Vin- Winklevoss twins on here. Just one of them. <laughs> Only one. I don't know. I, I, one of them's Cameron at Cameron. I'm not sure how I would recognize the other one. Because yeah, I'm sure his his username is just like Mike or something. Yeah. At Jack is on there. There's a lot of recycled material on here. This is uh, Tommy Lee is kind of like the uh, edgy Eric Alper in a way. Yeah. I think he's a lot well, more he genuine. He's much more genuine though. Like I think when he posts this stuff, he like he's posting what he's actually feeling rather than just trying to get engagement. This is true. Yeah. Because like there's one. Okay, he went on some MTV show to just like watch videos and react to them. And for, well, first of all, in the picture of him reacting, he's wearing a shirt that it's the Supreme logo, but it says "sup bitch." <laughs> Doesn't like really fit, but and then but the way he posted the link to that was just him saying some funny shit with like ten exclamation points, and I think he completely believes that. You know, it's not cynical. We should react to videos with him. We should. I want to show him some good videos, like the chimp fucking the frog. For the other video, him, the chimp uh, fucking the frog. Cooking with Jack. Or maybe Jack. some live leak. Cooking with Jack, yeah, the, even worse than that. <laughs> yeah. Stuff that should be on live leak. We cannot get blocked by Tommy Lee. We need, we need him on, you know? We need yeah, him on. No, I, I like him. I respect him. I do too. I don't uh, agree with everything he's said or done, but I think he, he's fundamentally a positive force in the world. Oh, wait, here's some good. He was doing a bit in uh, February. Uh, He tweeted once, how to hide millions from the IRS without getting caught. And then a few minutes later, he tweeted, oh, shit, this isn't Google. Man, that's like a Patton Oswalt 2010 style joke. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just kind of playing around with the format. I think if he started spending about 12 hours a day on Twitter, he'd get pretty good at it. Yeah, he should be in some group DMs, workshopping jokes. Find a bunch of guys who want to be Nick Mullen. Yeah. Just sort of bounce shit off of them. But anyway, speaking of uh, musicians having to 
adopt weird new tech things where no one seems to be making money and the business model doesn't make sense. There was some crap in the newspaper. There was some crap in the newspaper. The Financial Times, a paper that the three of us read rigorously. The Japanese-owned financial paper of record. Yeah, apparently since like 2015 or something. Yeah. Technically, it's manga. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's right. It's like Shonen Jump. Yeah, there's suddenly there's like uh, a quarter of all the articles on Financial Times are just about Naruto. <laughs> they should do that. They should just manga the news. There's a YouTube channel that's a news station in like Taiwan or something where they do these elaborate CGI animations of every story they do. That's right. Yeah, I've seen those. I, yeah, and, it's, it's like a dog and, chasing a, a car or something and they'll just fully animate it. And even yeah, horrible bit, shit. There was that National Review article that was uh, going around in the last day or two, uh, just lamenting, like, why aren't younger people conservative? And like that's what's wrong, is if the National Review started using Naruto artwork to explain their conservative values, maybe they would uh, win someone over, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, Naruto buys a house in the suburbs, and then uh, <laughs> some people of a certain ethnic uh, orientation try to break in, and... You know, it just turns him, uh, it, it makes him really think about what American values are and how we can keep our community safe. And how even if you're a ninja, you have a right to shoot people if they come on your property. Or even just buy your property on the sidewalk. Yeah. You can do ninja moves on them. Anytime I've seen American media try to, like, engage with people in, like, kind of a comic book format, it's always been, like, New York Times... Like, my husband and I had to leave New York City because we were afraid of COVID, you know? Oh, I remember like, that, yeah. It's always stuff like that. It's always it's always terrible. I, I lived in Taiwan for a while, and I remember, um, like, looking at a newspaper and, and being just baffled by the way they did. I'm not sure if they had, like, the CGI news running at that point, but the way that they sort of explained crime stories was by uh, doing, like, panel-style uh, crude CGI renderings of, like, what happened. is very disturbing. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> very, very upsetting. Seems like a lot more effort to do that. I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Because in one sense, it's, like, very glib. But then again, anything you write about crime is going to be glib. Like, the, the way we write about it seriously, it's all... Uh, Full of like bullshit euphemisms, like police officer involved shooting. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like the way it's written now is sickening enough. So we might as well just make it anime. Yeah, the Financial Times. Actually, well, so a, a little tangent before we get where we're actually headed. Uh, Alex, you started looking up uh, what are like the longest running newspapers that are still around, and you uh, ended up reading about the London Times, right? Oh, yeah. I, I thought the Financial Times was the one that's been around for like 500 years, but it's the regular Times. And the apparently Times the London. founder of that, the Times of London, yeah. The guy who founded that, John Walter, was thrown in jail by the Duke of York, and it was the very same Duke of York that Barney spoke of. <laughs> if you heard <laughs> the last episode. Fantastic call, Prince Frederick. I think he got like owned by Napoleon or something. We gotta like, do a. We people didn't do a, like him very much. We gotta do a fucking fortune kit uh, Adam Curtis episode. This was the yeah, very same Duke of York yeah. <laughs> that Barney sang about. 
And, and then no- the Barney song starts playing in the background. <laughs> and nothing changed. We forgot to mention that Prince Andrew is the Duke of York. Yeah. Of Jeffrey Epstein fame. It's a very mixed legacy for that title. They keep recreating the title for some reason, even though York is... Uh, no one's really talking about old York anymore. People have yeah. moved to Manchester and Leeds. It, uh, it was the, the guy who started the Wars of the Roses. Uh, one of the princes in the tower... Uh, Charles I, who got executed by the Commonwealth. James II, who got exiled in the Glorious Revolution. And uh, then a, a pedophile. Yeah, well, you also got Prince Albert, who invented um, piercing your dick. Oh, yeah. I think they should um, remove Prince Andrew and give Barney the post, because he did more justice to it by singing about it than Prince Andrew's ever done. That's true. He Wait, was commi- committed to the legacy. Maybe that's why Queen Victoria gave everyone in Europe hemophilia. Because her husband had a bunch of metal shit on the tip of his penis. <laughs> he was just scraping up her insides, making her bleed. Well, what he needed instead was to go to vaginacontest.com slash leaderboard. Yeah, exactly. If only that technology... I, I don't want to see the steampunk version of uh, uh, Auto Blow 2 or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> oh, there must have been guys who kept making those, like the guys who would make uh, hang yes. gliders and instantly die. Uh, my, my, my cousin's a little odd. He's an inventor. He's, uh, he's obsessed with uh, the humors and the release of them. Most royal eunuchs, that's what happened to him. They were testing out one of those machines in it. Went awry. <laughs> That's how Unix were created. The self-sucking machine, uh, yeah, went nuts. Somebody put too much coal in it, and it just... Uh... <laughs> the sultan would try to invent him, and he would be like, hey, try this out. Oh, well, I guess it yeah, didn't I'm work. I'm imagining it's like a big communal project with a big furnace, and there's like 30 people throwing <laughs> coal into the, the furnace. And... Did you get, like, freaks volunteering, being like, I'm going to do it. I'll do it for my country. <laughs> oh, there would definitely be, like, some Catholic penitent guys. Yes. Oh, yeah. Showing up being like, I would gladly give up my genitals for the Lord. <laughs> anyway, well, it's hard to think of a anyway, logical segue. Anyway, back to the back financial around. times. Okay, yeah. Well, we've talked about old times, but how about the financial times? Ooh, there we go. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> so, you know, the financial times, a very trusted voice in the music industry here. Um, yeah, they put together this article about how streaming is changing the music business. And, well, actually, I guess it's mostly a video. Cause, it's, so, it, yeah, it's a three, it's a three, it's the culmination of three years of work. It's a, it's a video project. I, I can read from the, they posted this thread yesterday. Uh, how much do artists make from streaming in this new documentary? Our video journalists at, uh, at media Don follows an up and coming artist as he tries to make a living during the pandemic in a, in a music industry revolutionized by streaming. So when I saw that tweet, I thought, Oh wow. The financial times is going to dig into how the pandemic has like immiserated, uh, an entire sector of the entertainment economy and, um, maybe talk about like Spotify's, sort of the way it's accelerated Spotify's monopolization over um, the ability of artists to make money. But no, it's all good news, apparently. <laughs> because uh, uh, what is the good one? Where is the good one? Here we go. In this thread, the Financial Times tweets, 
and they're quoting something I believe from the video. There has never been a better time to be a recording artist. Colon. Independent artists represent the fastest growing sector in the global recorded uh, music industry, choosing more control over their career and easier access to their fan base. And I would say no one is really choosing anything right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like there's not a lot of choice to be had if you decide to become a, a, a musician for a living. Unless, of course, your family is obscenely wealthy and bankrolling your career. But yeah. But it's like the fundamental premise of it is so funny because it's making me think of uh, at the end of 2020, I looked at a list of um, like the highest grossing artists in music and what percentage of their income comes from streaming versus live shows. And it's always live shows are more always like at, even at the top, you know, like 100%. even someone like Post Malone makes a disproportionate amount on streaming, like a surprising, like maybe 40% of all his money comes from streaming, which is like higher than like most, but it's still not a majority for him. It's like for nobody is it a majority when they have the option to tour. Yeah. For, for most people I know it, it's 90, 10, basically 90% yeah. of your income is from playing live shows. 10% is from streaming. And, and as maybe, I recall, that's still true of the biggest artists in the world when they're a band like uh, the Rolling Stones or something. Yeah. They still have that same kind of like breakdown. It's only a handful of like very online post Malone types who move yeah. the ratio a little, but not really that much. Yeah. And, you know, just, cause, just because 80% of your money comes from streaming and 20% of it comes from live shows doesn't mean that the total is necessarily higher, you know? (laughs) Yeah. If anything, it just means you're undercapitalizing how much you're touring. Yeah. And someone needs to disrupt live shows by making a pass where you pay $5 a month to go to every live show. (laughs) That's the the artist for every audience (laughs) member who comes through the door, they get 0.006 cents. Exactly. <laughs> See, there's like there's so many people who would think that's a brilliant idea if they could just monopolize that system. That's that's kind revolution. of the problem. I I so I haven't watched it. We're about to watch this thing, and I haven't watched it yet. But I have a sneaking suspicion that the people interviewed, uh, like including the artists, are going to be a very specific type of mindset. You know, like like. Uh, very into branding themselves and and like play, like grinding the game basically you know like having bought into this current paradigm and just like being like it's great you just gotta grind really hard um one th- I, I and before we watch it i want to say like one thing in the in the thread that's absolutely hilarious to me is the last post is because labels have so much cash from streaming and are competing with each other for talent, they are also driving up the price for artists who are in a better position to negotiate contracts entering the <laughs> post-pandemic world with no with more bargaining power. There's literally no evidence for this. Yeah, like what? Like this is just this is either based on the testimony of like the one person he interviewed, you know, the artist he interviewed. Or he's just making it up or a label told him it, you know, like if anything, label like advances for artists signing to record labels have dropped significantly in the last 15 years, like astronomically, (laughs) because 
no one is buying physical copies of albums anymore because of streaming. So labels do not want to assume that risk. Yeah, that's a completely alternate reality. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. What do so they Dan, mean all the cash that, that's coming um, in? The artist who's featured in this video is maybe, was it like the cousin of the guy who filmed I it? Or? I think it's his cousin. I'm going to double check. I think he's a, at the very least related to this guy. Yeah, that makes it an even more uh, dubious project. I don't know. In the meantime, maybe I'll just get it going here. Yeah, let's roll it. Oh my God. This film is about the evolution of the music business. The industry has gone digital, with streaming now reigning supreme. Social media apps can seemingly blow up a song overnight. And with the COVID-19 pandemic shutting down live music venues worldwide, concerts have even gone virtual. But music industry revenues reached an all-time high in 2020. So who's catching I just out? realized this has 3,500 views. <laughs> Man, that's... That's not very much. Yeah, it did just come out today, but that's not very impressive for also manage and direct music videos a big outlet. The artist Dirty Blood. Yeah, it's his cousin. There you go. Since 2018, I've been documenting his journey to make a name for himself and earn a living as an artist in the music industry. Yeah, it seems like the real point of this video is just to self-promote his family member. music companies, record labels, producers, and artists. To find out what all these changes mean for the future of the music business and how today's artists are making it. I don't get why we're supposed to respect the guys who grind the most. The industry treats artists too yeah. much like a commodity. And, and also, it's usually person. bullshit anyway, where you don't really make it by grinding on it. They want to retain. The whole world wants to be in the music industry now. You can be almost homeless to going to making just so much money you can't even keep up with. Shit, everybody should be making money. <laughs> oh, God. This is. It's going to be rough, guys. Very blonde. I'm a Dirty blonde and record producer. I'm from upstate New York. I've been trying to make it in the industry for about two years now. I, I think I'm, my music is so personal and, and so genuine and pure that I think <laughs> his that first ever live performance was just him on the street by himself with someone filming no one there. Yes. Yeah, my music is just. I think it would just be so pure and It's like downriver from Post Malone. And, and want to hear more and yeah, totally. And but understand me. That's what I'm praying for. Well, even less interesting, it's for you it's, like get the drum loop, and, and then you make a four chord progression, and the vocals are auto tuned to the root note. There's no effort to write an actual hook. It's just uh, a standard chord progression, and you sing the the root note over it, and it sort of sounds like a melody. Like, do something with it. At least Post Malone has something recognizable in there. That's where the grinding comes in. Because um, when, when you're making stuff that sounds like everything else, you have to grind to make it stand up, right? So. Um, 10 million albums worldwide. We have worked very hard. We have been in this business for five years, and we are broke as broke can be. It's interesting that they're giving source to a YouTube channel, Ghetto Flame TV, for what's a TV broadcast. It's TLC, like on the VMAs or something. So that guy doesn't own that. favor because of the way that they're, they're structured. They were, quite simply, old school record deals were simply bank loans. 
at the highest rate imaginable. Traditionally, an advance was only recoupable from an artist's share of the music sales. But as record labels began to lose revenue from declining physical album sales and online piracy, they began Ooh, piracy. artists 360 deals. A 360 deal allows the label to recoup that advance from the artist not only Home from music sales and streaming music. revenue, but also from all other streams of income mm. for the artist, including touring so revenue, this guy, merch, sync who it's about, has 400 followers on Twitter. It's essentially like and then I tried to find him on Spotify, but I just found a, a different artist with the same name with 20 monthly listeners. Yeah, what's the guy's name? Dirty uh, Blonde. Dirty Blonde. Dirty Blonde. Yeah, you search Dirty Blonde and it just comes up with women's hair. So he's pretty bad SEO there. So if a record label gives you a $1 million deal, what does that actually mean? It's How really do I find this guy? Future royalties, meaning it must be paid back to the label from revenue you earn after you make the. Deal. I literally cannot so find this guy on the internet. Where is he? He's making money. He's making it. Million dollars in revenue in order to fully recoup the one million dollar advance over. Like the existence of the film subject kind of. Share of the revenue. Like topples the whole point of this, as far as I can tell, right? Like. Yeah. Typically. That $1 million advance is often used by artists to budget for things like studio time, album features, music videos, marketing, lawyer and manager fees. Oh my god, okay, so I have him pulled up on Spotify. From Prince to Kanye and his to most popular track is called TikTok. Against the record contracts, and if they've signed away ownership it has 33,000 listeners. 367 <laughs> monthly listeners. Which is not really good. I don't know why they're so making a video about this guy. His cousin wanted to do it. Yeah, There's more plays than the Brock Winthrop stuff has, but like, I don't have a Financial Times video about how successful I am. They should have done a Financial Times video if they were going to cover like independent artists. They should have done like John Acapinti. Yeah, dude. Or Trey Martin. Oh, his uh, YouTube channel has 50 subscribers too. Yeah, why is it this guy? Why can't they find an actual successful artist? Yeah, if the like point that the... If the the point that they're trying to make is like is like this new paradigm is actually good for artists. Pick somebody who's it's actually benefited, you know? Like Yeah. <laughs> yeah, is this guy making money? No, he's no. definitely not. I bet you this guy's making significantly less per month than even just the Fortune Kit page. Yep. Yeah, he's doing a Post Malone impression. He's even talking about Rockstar. He's using the same phrases, the same cadence, the same audio, uh, audio yeah, effects that's, that Post That's Malone how you hit does. it big, is figure out who got big five years ago and then just keep doing that in like a, a shittier version. <laughs> It's just a straight rip, and he's not even successful at it. Why is there a 25-minute video about this? What is this segment? There's a segment where he is lip-syncing to his own track in a boardroom while a guy in a baseball hat takes notes, and another guy looks kind of uncomfortable. I was really looking at him. Uh, feeling him. Holding a cigar. <laughs> this is so weirdly staged. 
it's bizarre. Like the older music industry guy is kicking back, holding an unlit cigar. Yeah, the whole point of this is definitely just as like a self-promo. It's not even supposed to be about the music industry. It's a way to try to get people to listen to this guy. It's yeah, amazing it's, that the Financial Times approved this when it's like, hey, can I film my cousin trying to make it in music? It gives me that same feeling as the Garfield Eats sitcom mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the rock doc guy who is uh, like a, a pill, pill-pushing doctor. Who's like, I'm, I'm living the rock lifestyle. And he made a reality show pilot that didn't get picked up. And now he's in jail. Uh, but it, it reminds me of those where people make a show about how they came up, but they haven't came up yet. They haven't come up yet. They haven't the coming up part. What is this 300? It's fake it before you make it. And it, no one really buys it that they're successful. That is really funny. When you look them up on Spotify and they have like 1,000 plays per song, it, it's just so that when you do grow, who's you have falling for this because the 80s baby stuff is obviously financial times did like, like <laughs> they sure did i guess so the power of social media along with the media i guess funny. i don't expect them to be it's a it's a japanese company that owns a british company that's was founded in the 1800s so i guess they don't really have their finger on the pulse of uh i don't even know what you'd call it i guess the moral of this is that you who vancouver canada uh you can trick financial times into publishing a uh ad for your cousin's pro- uh, musical project an artist doesn't really need a huge budget or advance to actually make the music so it's just a bit unfair for a label to come in and take ownership of that music. We let the artists control and own their art. Some artists, we just work with them on a specific uh, area. So like 21 Savage, for example, we just work on building his YouTube channel. But uh, other artists were much more deeper in working with them on a full like label deal or distribution. That sounds terrible. That sounds like you, you pay somebody to help work on your YouTube channel, but they're like a record label. So they're like, oh, well, we're just working on your YouTube channel. So like it's a partnership. So we're not going to give you an advance. So uh, good luck with your stream revenue. Hope you can pay your rent, you know? Yeah, exactly. Also, we're also, also we're taking a percentage of everything. Like, fuck off. That's what I was, I was thinking. Is like, there's no way he's getting enough value out of them to justify it, right? Like, what the fuck are they doing to his YouTube channel where he can justify giving them anything? Yeah, like, just get a... You'd be better off paying somebody a dollar a day to be your booking agent, you know? You'd see more returns, like... Yeah. So right now, they just, you know, they treat me like a, a young artist and put me in front of the right people and, you know... It's like a pyramid scheme. Mm-hmm. Or like a, an Epstein modeling scam. Getting invited to Brian Singer's pool party. He puts me in front of the right people. You know, he doesn't really pay me or anything. But like, you know, it's just, I'm making connections. I'm seeing David Geffen. To me, uh, artists are getting bigger deals than ever because they can show the label they have 300 listeners on Spotify, and they're going to give them a huge advance. Who is this guy? What's his name? So much that when my BMI checks come, it's going to be, you know, 100,000, 200,000. They're very coy about these guys' names. They don't really put them on the screen. Maybe, I, think I, I don't know. That might have been Zaytoven. They said Zaytoven was in it earlier. He's like the guy who does all the Gucci Man beats and stuff. Oh, yeah. He's, it might have been he's a known him. quantity. When a song is played yeah. on a radio, on Pandora, or in a public venue like a restaurant or nightclub, a royalty must be paid. 
This can provide a continuous stream of income to the artist or record label long after the artist has stopped making music. Oftentimes, the first meeting a songwriter might ever have when they decide to become a songwriter and actually have a career in songwriting is their meeting with BMI. BMI is the largest performing rights organization in the world. And we what was your meeting with BMI like, Dan? I didn't have one. I just, uh, I, I was asked by my publisher, do you want to go with ASCAP or BMI? And I was like, I can't remember which one I picked. Yeah, yeah why the fuck would you have to It's like literally a formality so I could collect royalties in the United States. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. I think I have an account on there and it's just, you make an account and pay them like $10 and it's a website. Yeah, they don't, they don't like choose you. You don't go through a screening process to get yeah, you're not like, it's not like getting signed by like a football team or yeah something. they're literally there to pay royalties focused like, on and it's it's interesting that there are no masks music industry completely well the dates they're showing in the newspapers and stuff is like September 2020 in the US oh, so it must have been filmed in 2019 100 yeah. yeah but wait a minute no it, it shows statistics about 2020. Well, Dan was saying it took him like three years to make, even though it's like really basic. It, it, it took him three years to make this documentary. I think he lost his hard drive at one point and then got it back. Really? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's so stupid. So he would have started it in 2018 and then, um, and then finished it during the pandemic, I guess. Think about streaming revenue. It's grown about that happened to Green Day with American Idiot. Yeah, it's true. And also uh, Food Fight, the movie Food Fight. You can come onto the platform through distributors even without a record label deal. Have either of you ever of seen that? I have never seen Food Fight. I've seen what it looks like, but I haven't watched I wanted to watch that because it's just like super shitty CGI with all these like brands, right? Yeah, it was uh, some crazy guy who has a bunch of money decided he would make a movie where it's like Toy Story, but it's all product placement. Yeah, it's like the Bisquick only product placement. Even brands that people don't recognize. Yeah, like the, the sun-kissed foods dolphin. But <laughs> they, it took so long to make, and it was in development hell for so long, that all the legitimate brands dropped out. <laughs> so it was like fake brands, but it's a movie about how brands are good. And the, the villains are store brand products who are Nazis. Uh -oh. I hate those. They're like BDSM Nazis, and they're trying to replace stuff with store brand products. Or they're like like uh, <laughs> like an anthropomorphic sauerkraut, like a big a vice first with a pointed helmet. They should have done that. They should have done sauerkraut, but they weren't smart enough. It's good for them from a revenue perspective as well. I'm Mitch Glazier. I'm the chairman and CEO of the Recording Industry Association. I think this is where it's getting good because they're trying to say why things are good now for artists financially. Oh, the RIAA. I love those guys. Classic, classic good guys. 500,000 sales and streams based on revenue. It's a revenue-based system, not just a number of streams-based system. Uh, and then for platinum, it's a million. Hey, they spelled that and guy's name wrong. Right. On did. the plaque, it was Mitch Glazier. Which is dumb. And when they showed it's it on the very, screen, very it was Glazer. To make it, but once like you get a gold record, if you're an artist and you get a gold Seems record, like uh, the editorial uh, editorial net at Financial Times is getting shitty, you know? Man, I wish the whole thing was just about this artist because he's so bad, man. So how much is Dirty Bond earning from streaming? According to his revenue statement, for the third quarter of 2020, he got around 27,000 streams on Spotify, and he got paid just under $72 for those streams. Cool, he's getting rich. Doing the math, 
That's 0.27 cents. Why are they showing this? On the TikTok app, he earned slightly more money from slightly fewer streams. Yeah, he's not making I shit. Apple Music don't and it's like $100 a, a month. Why are they showing you at this? At this rate, yeah. for Dirty Blonde to earn New York City's minimum wage of $15 per hour or $31,200 for the year, he would need to get over 13 million streams across the various streaming platforms and social media apps. I understand how it works. I understand that I'm not going to be making money like that off streaming right now. <laughs> oh. the side, it, this guy is so ridiculous. He's wearing leather pants. He's He has grills, like Paul Wall grills. And he's... I don't want to say he's white, but he's either very light-skinned black or like Puerto Rican. And he's got cornrows. He's just kind of a comical figure. A percentage of the money that's always going to the streaming services. And th how does that not undermine the whole point of this video to show that he's making like $200 a year? I have no idea what they were thinking. You're still splitting basically the same percentages. Oh man, I really can't handle the Spotify guy on here. Why does he have grills on his teeth and he's showing us his so pay funny. statement that shows he makes $200 a month? I'm glad I watched this just purely because I got to see the faces of two people at Spotify and I screenshot them and I'm I'm putting them in my book, uh, my hug and kiss book. Come tribute. <laughs> just, just a book of people I would like to meet in person and hug and kiss. That we share the data with the artists and really put that data in their hands to make good decisions. What's the value of being on a streaming service? In part, it's the direct. Hey, Twelve listeners in Canada. A lot of it is also about getting your. So they show which countries your listeners are from. That doesn't seem unique at all. You can get that on YouTube. You've been yeah, able anywhere. to see that on most platforms for many years. I think Twitter, too. Ooh, touring. In April of 2019, Dirty Blonde performed his first ticketed show on stage at SOB's, Ooh. a legendary New York City concert venue often considered a rite of passage for emerging. I have never heard never of SOB's. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> they expect you to have heard of all of this shit. Like, here's Shane Gill from the music industry. And I looked him up because... I wanted to see if he had old tweets where he was, like, getting yelled at by people who thought he was Shane Gillis. But I can't even find him. It's a documentary of phantoms. Like, Dirty Blonde, I had to search Dirty Blonde without the E, even though it is with the E. <laughs> rapper. When you search regular Dirty Blonde, it's all hair shit. And then the only thing that came up was his Spotify, and everything else was still latest white rappers with blonde hair. But he's not even on that. It's about <laughs> that doesn't even mention him. We kind of help artists launch their careers before you can. You're even able to tour. We give you an opportunity. You might be good for like a thousand tickets in the market, like Miami or LA or wherever we're doing the show, but. All of a sudden, you're performing in front of 60,000. And I can guarantee you, if you're performing low on the bill, you're getting paid dog shit. You're probably uh, paying to go on that tour. Contracts where they go from making 100% of their music to making 18% of their music, and that stands behind recoupment. And they're basically not making money off music. I hate these modern sort of documentary-style videos. I don't know if Vice started it or... I think it's Vice, yeah. You're, you're standing behind your recoup, There's so just always music playing. To, it's always uh, flashing between a bunch music. of different things. So, so much stock footage sped up and slowed down. Yep. And it doesn't have like a narrative to it. It's supposed to be sort of like a, a nightly news broadcast. 
Yeah, that's a good point. It's been very like elected plotting. Yeah, it's it's very smoothed over. Yes, it's it's just so smooth. It's hard to even pay attention to. With the coronavirus pandemic, and the music industry was not immune. COVID-19 stopped touring. Yeah, the music industry was not immune. That's kind of a big so deal. We're about four-fifths through this. creating content is potentially yeah, they didn't a way mention to it try now. to continue to that drive seems like kind of a big that deal. That it's hard to figure out what's the point of this. Because in the tweets about it from the Financial Times account, it seems like the point is it's easier than ever for artists to make money. Yes. And then once they actually look into the numbers, this guy's not making anything. <laughs> Like, there's no coherent real, like, narrative here. And then they just talk to people, like, what they do for their job. Oh, we're doing 21 Savage's YouTube channel. It's like, okay, cool. What do, what do I learn from that? I, lo I love to uh, do a documentary on how uh, how the music industry has changed and just let people from Spotify talk without asking any questions. Yeah. <laughs> Especially follow-up questions. No need for those. I think it's something that will not only be important right now but also when when you know when things get back to normal i guarantee yeah, I mean, that dirty blonde thought think, that this financial times video is going to make him fucking blow up you know yeah someone on a flight from like cologne to dusseldorf yeah, some, like 75 year old white guy who loves financial times like damn this guy's great yeah. Someone who works at Deutsche Bank is uh, in the in an airport bathroom, just being like, "I need I need this in my life right now." In fact, independent artists represent the fastest growing sector in the globally recorded music industry. Artists direct grew by this is just this is absurd. This guy's music is so fucking bad. Artists direct this this shit like yeah, artists without a record label are taking up a bigger market share. It's because. It's like basically everybody's starting a fucking Patreon, you know, like. Yeah, exactly. And also the fact that artists without a label make only 5% of revenue and there's just an infinite amount of them means that each of them is making nothing. You know? Yes, absolutely. Some artists don't need a lot of money. They need guidance. No, bullshit. Some no. artists don't need a lot of money. They need guidance. Oh, man. That's the cigar guy. Yeah. Well, I could eat or... And there's or, this woman who looks like Alice Cooper. I could eat or I could get uh, I could get somebody to tell me how to make my YouTube channel better, in his opinion. You know? Yeah. And they haven't been able to do this because this video has 3,500 views. And it was made by... A huge newspaper. Revenue in a way that they had been in the past. Or oh man, all these people. Yeah, they, they have, look like such they, freaks. They all have like the Financial weird, Times uh, uh, YouTube has over half a million followers, and it got three thousand views. Yeah, it it reminds me of. Like on the Chapo stream, we watch videos where it's like a guy who gets 10 views per video being like, this is how you make money on YouTube, guys. I'm going to give you the inside scoop on how to build your brand. Can we roll it back and listen to what that British nonce had to say? Because I think that's... Oh, yeah, yeah. All these people are so freakish looking. They are. Recording artists. You've got more optionality, more choice 
more control over your rights, more control over your career, more access to your Fuck you. Fuck you. Paul Oberman is this guy's name, and he has what has to be a wig. It's like Rod Blagojevich hair. That's completely out of It's jet black hair. And his eyebrows are eyebrows and beard are gray. He looks green screened into like an architecture dive dress kitchen basically green screened into his hair too as a, a way to you know connect many other uh pieces of the puzzle it takes a lot of things aligning in oh i would love to take this guy in a van tour the spotify guy i'd love to put him in a van yeah come in the van with me join me in the van <laughs> hard work it's a lot of hard work these people are all mutants and a lot of people have to support you if we look forward to the next five years, yes, streaming revenue will slow. The coronavirus-driven recession will have some negative impact. Live is it will opinion. have some negative impact. But this reminds me of the Jonathan Chait book that came out right after Trump got elected, but it was written before Trump got elected. Yes. With the assumption that Hillary was going to be the next president, and it was all about how Obama's legacy will prevail. <laughs> and right at the end, there's a new chapter written later about how Trump changes things, but how Obama's legacy will ultimately prevail still. And it's like this. They filmed it in 2018 or whenever, and then they add some stuff later that's like, well, the coronavirus shut down all live performances. Not just making music. And you can't tour anymore. That's a huge deal for this. That, like... I learned that it's not just about music. It's about it, music. How can you not refilm the footage? Especially when it's not, it's not really laborious to get this. It's just this troglodyte with his fake grills and a couple low-level guys at Spotify, like not even no one you would recognize. It's stock footage and interviews with no-name corporate guys. And, and a lot of it's Zoom money. interviews. Reshoot the footage. The journey continues. Wow. What a journey. What a journey. Oh, that made me, that made me feel bad. <laughs> uh, I. If anything, I feel like I learned about the Financial Times and how shoddy everything they do is. Yeah, know? absolutely. Just listening to that British guy who I was unclear on what his job was or what he did um, say that, like, the artists will come out on top after all this is just there's yeah, like there's no sort of reflection on um, the way the current like paradigm of the money and making music is just immiserating tons and tons of artists so many people yeah, my feeling so many people i know just like like people like 2020 just so many people just quit you know because it's just untenable <laughs> like, yeah also another thing i wanted to i want to bring up just briefly this does not discuss at all how like the pandemic or streaming or this new sort of shifting everything to building your brand online is putting tons of people who work as crew out of out of out of a job you know <laughs> like, yeah it didn't say basically anything substantive about the pandemic at all no just that one guy at the end being like yes there will be a recession it will be a bit unfortunate and uh well yeah you know there's 
like, uh, like it's, it's especially funny too. Like I'm thinking about it from the perspective also of the guy who sold this video to the financial times. He also probably made, you know what, like 300 bucks for doing it. Like I guarantee he was just being paid as like, a sort of like 1099 freelancer. Oh, totally. There's no way he got much from it. The dirty blonde guy probably thought that it's going to get him a ton of views. He's going to blow up because he's on, you know, this is a YouTube channel with over a half a million followers and he got 3000 views off this. How many of these people are actually going to listen to his music? Zero of them. Like the artist gets nothing. The guy who made this video is probably getting paid a couple hundred dollars. Like <laughs> everyone's getting fucked along the way in order to make a video that makes the claim that like, oh, it's getting better for artists. Do you know how many followers he has on YouTube? Subscribers? 58. Uh, he has 50. Yeah, and he so has a funny. fake Vivo account, Dirty Blonde Vivo, and he—it's not a Vivo <laughs> account. It's not yeah, through it's Vivo. It's not verified. Yeah, his top played song is a lyric video, and half of it—it's like a GIF of Steve from Blue's Clues, in footage of Lil <laughs> Wayne and like different people's TikToks. God. So, in, actually, in a way, this this despite itself, this video is a. Uh, excellent document of how uh fuck the music industry is right now yeah pretty much if this is the best propaganda you can make to say that the system is working why this guy it's truly insane no, it's to this think cousin. This guy, because he's he got has 443 followers on no he's Twitter. like i'm gonna do my cousin a favor by making this huge video that helps him blow up and talks about how like everyone's blowing up that's absolutely like as far as it got he didn't even take the time to find someone who actually has momentum yeah I've been thinking about this a lot lately, but like this, whatever stage of capitalism we're in right now, um, is so precarious. It feels so precarious. Like it's so thin that it takes this sort of mass hypnosis effort of the people engaged in it to constantly be saying, this is great. Not only is it great, it's amazing. And like to admit any kind of like failure or, uh, sort of say, hey, this this kind of sucks. I hate making seventy two dollars for like legitimately tens of thousands of streams on Spotify for this guy. That that feels bad. You can't. Yeah, he's like, no, like, it's all about the grind, man. Like, there's this weird thing where if you if you talk about that, that's somehow like it it collapses the illusion. You know, it's just it sucks. <laughs> Were you paying attention at the end there when he quoted Jay-Z where he's like, yeah, you know, you got to stay on the grind. It's like Jay-Z said, I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. It's so like that, super fit. Like, it's great to quote the most sellout capitalist piece of shit rapper of all time as a guy who has 300 listeners on uh, Spotify. And th- yeah. And that mindset has been completely weaponized against artists. Like if exactly, you he's, know, it's just like you drinking. The the, I mean, like shit that shit that record labels used to have to do. Like part of the deal was like, you know, they would go out and sell your record. That was their job, you know? Yeah. That has completely been offloaded onto the artist. So now it's your job to be a businessman while you are beholden to another businessman, which is the record label, if you do eventually get signed. And if you're on your own, you're just doing it yourself anyway. So, yeah. It's multi-level marketing. You have to promote yourself in order to enrich the people above you. Yes, you recruit people below you. Actually, uh, when I did one of the bonus episodes with Nate, he made that exact point in, about his experience working with Kanye, where he's like, 
once you get to Kanye's level, you have all these guys working for you who you're just giving a small cut and you're taking a bunch of it from them. And it's literally like MLM shit where then those guys get even smaller producers under them and try to rip them off as much as they can, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, especially, especially in like that world of like the top level of rap, when you have like songs with 13 producers on one track, everyone's intentionally just trying to exploit each other. It's like such a fucking disaster. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know why they even do that. Doesn't that split up the royalties? No, because if you're Kanye, you're coming out on top because you're having the other person do the work for you and you're taking half of their cut. And then because they're giving you half of their cut, they're learning the lesson of, oh, now I need to find someone who I can take half of their cut. You know, like, yes, if you're not doing all the work, then you are making more money that way. Or or it's like, uh, you should just be happy that you're on a Kanye record. Yeah. And especially, well, you think about it too. If Kanye has 12 producers on the track, he gets all the artist royalties and then he's splitting the producer royalties, right? Like it's two pots where he's taking one and splitting the other, right? Yep. We should do that with podcasts. Yeah. I need points on this podcast. Actually, that's where podcasting is heading. It's going to fucking be like that at like when you're, you know, like the more mainstream level. It's fucking absolutely going to be that. Yeah. The networks and stuff. It'll definitely be less democratized like everything else over time. Yeah, you you have to seize the uh, digital means of production, content production. There is, I guess, there is actually like one upside there. Like, if you can amass a large enough audience, then no one can do anything to you. But you have to be a pretty large, like, if even something like Chapo size, they are basically immune from bullshit in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. But it's like incredibly like basically no one gets there you know what i mean it's like a fraction of a fraction of a percent of the time you get to the level where you're purely just immune from uh the ebb and flow of things but even then like for chapo and e1 and everybody like if like patreon goes under it's gonna be really hard to get the same amount of people to resubscribe somewhere like it's gonna hurt all of us if that happens you know yeah absolutely i I think the kind of analog to that for indie rock is like you know like the sort of mid two thousands bands like Wilco or something hit that sweet spot where like, yeah, yeah. You just doesn't matter what you put out. People are going to come to the show record label, you know, doesn't really have any input on what you're doing. Cause you're not playing the radio charting game. Like that is, that is really the sweet spot where you've got a record label subsidizing you making records, you're making money back for them, but you don't have to necessarily, do anything different nobody's going to tell you yeah. to make a pop record and it's this probably just goes towards something we've talked about in the past but it's like such a unique mixture of both luck and decision making to get there i mean there's a gigantic amount of luck but then you also have to make decisions that like reflect that worldview to end up there i think yeah and you know like adopting the mlm attitude is not the way to do that (laughs) yeah exactly like dirty blonde is never gonna wind up in that situation yes i certainly hope not he's doing really bad and as it is (laughs) i would really hate to hear him on the radio it would make me sick i think my favorite moment of that video was the um recorded footage of his first ever performance where it's just him standing by himself on the street with like a boombox playing the backing track yeah, there's a tent over him, like the kind of tent you would have set up for uh, like a marathon to hand out yes. water. Yeah, yes. like for someone who ostensibly, I think it looked like it was New York or something. It was. I don't know how you find a New York street that empty. <laughs> I think if you go on any street, there's going to be somebody. But 
Oh, maybe you really scared him all Maybe away. he cleared it. Yeah. Maybe he cleared the room. <laughs> well, I, I was almost like hoping they were going to make a co- more coherent like point that we would like refute. But it was really just like a complete uh, mess. Yeah. There isn't a thesis or anything. It's just a bunch of vignettes of different music industry parasites. And then some guy who thinks he's like riffraff crossed with Post Malone. And then just a bunch of depressing data that's presented like it's actually good, you know? It's also funny that this is presented as like the world is changing and everything's digitized and you need to be on social media. And then how do they convey that is by putting out a 25 minute long video that's not social media friendly. (laughs) You too could be making $74 a quarter. Yeah. (laughs) It only really got traction through quote tweets. Through people yeah. getting mad yeah, because at everyone's that. dunking really <laughs> interaction. Yeah, maybe that was the. Maybe I got suckered in. Maybe that was the. Uh, it's true. The they could game. be Financial Times's game. Because, like, you know how, like, CNBC every two or three months will write an article like, here's how to save a million dollars by the time you're 29. And everyone, the whole point of writing that is just to get everyone to quote tweet it and get mad. Yeah. This could be the same, but I don't know. Like, I it's don't the, think they. It doesn't, like. I think it, maybe they posted it with that in mind, like, on the Twitter feed. Usually it's an editorial thing where, like, the social media person is will take a yeah. pretty uh, inoffensive article and be like, here's why millennials are uh, at fault for, uh, for, for their own poverty or whatever. For World mm-hmm. War II. Yeah. And then, I, I don't know, it, it doesn't seem like it was made that way. Yeah. yeah maybe I would like wasn't... to hear an oral history of how this got okayed, who <laughs> up top was like, this is going to do well for us, because it didn't really pay off. Like, it, it got a little bit of traction on Twitter, but that's in comparison to YouTube and everywhere else where it's nothing. Yeah. Just nothing. Like, there are food reviewers who can get more reviews than that eating a McDouble and getting it all over their shirt. That's right. I mean, uh, A. Edgecliff Johnson, who's the editor of Financial Times, uh, quote tweeted it, and he quoted the he quoted the film and said, "To earn New York City's minimum wage of fifteen dollars an hour or thirty one thousand dollars a year, he would need to get over thirteen million streams." And then says, "Great deep dive by at Media Don on the music industry now," which is kind of like goes against the way they presented it. Yeah, Yeah, I don't think they watched it. It doesn't seem like they know what's in it. I guess like, I guess the point of the actual guy who edited it was to be like journalistic by being like, all these people say it's really good. But then we look at the money and it's not good. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It didn't even do a good job of that, though, either. It's very strange. Horrible stuff. The point is, is that now has never been a better. uh, There's never been a better time than now. To be an independent artist. And if you want to be an independent artist, I think you should uh, hit up Financial Times, try to freelance for them, get like $250, $300 to put together a video that's relatively incoherent. Then you can have them post your video and everyone will get mad at you. Hit up and your cousin. And your foot's in the door. Yeah, get your cousin in the video and make it happen. I'm going to uh, make a short film about how I'm going to release my next record on Clubhouse. <laughs>